Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right, thanks for joining us. Today I have Levi B. with me, and of course my name is Levi R. Uh, today we're going to be talking about social media and kind of how the how innovation uh, has gone in social media, how the big social media companies are working these days, and maybe if what we could benefit from using uh, some of these other types of social media platforms and uh, sort of how some of those work. And since Levi B is a very tech savvy type of individual, um, I thought he would be a great person to talk to on this. And uh, I know he uses some of these, I guess you call them alternative social media sites. So for me, um, you know, I, I, I've used uh, Facebook since it came out. I, I was a freshman in college, I think, when it came out. So, I mean, I was kind of right around that beginning point uh, when Facebook kind of became a thing. And, and you had to have a .edu email to be able to, to get access to it and, uh, and all that. I, I didn't get on Twitter until, I think, 2015. Um, but those are really the only social media platforms I've, I've used um, that, that I would call, you know, traditional social networks anyway. I mean, YouTube, sure. But um, so... Levi, what do you think? My my thing is like we all we all a lot of us in our sort of um, you know political circle, we complain about big social media companies and the, and the sort of censorship that they can do, and all of that sort of thing. But uh, you know, I guess some of the arguments to the contrary would be like, well, you know, just just build your own you know social media platform, and and the the economist in me says like, well, okay, but that's not easy because you have bandwagon effect issues like everybody's on Twitter. And so nobody has an incentive to get off of Twitter. Um, so can we start talking about that? And maybe you can tell us about some of these alternative platforms and if they have sure. um, like what, what they've done to try to attract people and how successful they've been. Yeah. The, the whole bandwagon thing is a good point to, to start things off with because like the reason why people are on Facebook is because their friends are on Facebook. You didn't, like other than other than those of us who kind of signed up in the early days, you joined Facebook, you joined Instagram because your friends were sharing stuff and you wanted to join in in that that fun, um, if you could call it fun. Um, so it is it is a bit of an issue. Like if if I were to say, well, I'm going to just build my own thing, how do I get my friends and family and the people that I want to see posting there to to do it? Um, so yeah, the, the early adopter has, has a struggle. And I remember when, when Twitter was kind of the new thing, uh, I didn't know anybody on Twitter. I was, you know, following personalities and whatnot, just because those are the people. And there's still very few people that I know in, you know, in the real world that are also on Twitter, like everyone's on Facebook and everyone's on Instagram, but Twitter still has a bit of that um, that bandwagon to, to fight with. Um, but yeah, so. it's used to, it's easy to have a smaller user base and they, they all kind of seem to, uh, I mean, I heard one time it was like 25% of the content on Twitter, like the posts are generated by people who call themselves journalists. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter definitely has a bit of the fact that a lot of people are using it to consume and not to create and Facebook is becoming more of that too. Like you're going to Facebook and you're scrolling and you're not posting as much, um, but you're consuming more. 
and that you know that eventually makes the content not as good and less people controlling more of the content just because that's what's being consumed and it seems like it becomes more and more about the like the 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 advertising it becomes more and more in your face because yes. there's not something else to dilute it with yeah instagram's a good example of that where when i signed up for instagram less than a year after they launched it was just people posting and i got a couple friends uh in my social circles to sign up and and do the same thing and it was it was good back then but now you go to instagram and every fourth post in the newsfeed is an advertisement and the ads are very low quality most of the time and it doesn't feel as personal anymore because there's there's so much commercial content being posted that we're seeing like this high like instagram started out being you sharing lousy photos with filters to make them look kind of cool but now it's like any people that are posting like that are getting diluted by commercial posts that are high quality and it really makes it like you get so much less out of it for the amount of time you're putting into consuming the content. Yeah. And I think that goes to the main point of, of, of all these big social media platforms because their monetization has always been, you know, you are not, you, the user are not actually the customer. You are the product, like your clicks and your views that is what they sell to the the advertisers. And so yeah. I think that at least if, if someone else is going to compete with these big platforms, it's going to be tough because you know, if they're going to use, if they're going to use that same monetization strategy, I mean, good luck, you know? Yeah. For Twitter is an interesting one in that because for the longest time it was a common, a common thing that was said was that, Twitter is such a big company, but they still haven't broken even. And I don't know if that's still the case, but it used to be said a lot more. And it was interesting thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm using this product that's not making money. Like it's, it's spending investors money and that's it. And it used to be better back then. It used to have a lot less ads and a lot less commercial interest. And now they don't say that, like, I'm not sure if it's broken even or not, but now they they've like they've made changes especially recently they've made changes that are obviously done to make sure that you see the ads and spend the spend the advertisers dollars properly so then if if you know if the the constant refrain from you know people like Ben Shapiro or whatever is okay well you know at the end of the day if you don't like the way uh, these uh, social media companies work then you know just go build your own but I mean so we have this you know bandwagon effect in place but I mean I kind of see the point if it's that bad I mean why would why shouldn't we able be able to just build an alternative and and are there alternatives. Yeah, the the build your own question is like, well, that's a lot of work. And I've had, you know, projects in the past, especially in school when, you know, you could make up imaginary clients where you'd be like, yeah, let's let's try building a social network and it's it's a lot of work. Um there's an interesting player in that game if you could put it that way that um it's a it's a piece of software called Mastodon. And it's interesting because uh, instead of it being 
like, okay, let's, let's call it a social network in itself. Instead of it being a social network that is run by one company and it's just, just that company's presence online and you go to their system and sign up. Rather, it's a piece of software that's published and anyone can take that software and install it themselves and have their own social network. So in that way, you're not having to do the whole building process. You're kind of, you're taking this social network out of the box and setting it up on a server that you have full control over. Um, so the, the barrier to entry is a lot less than saying, let's just build our own. Like if you have, you know, a circle of, of friends that are maybe into horse training or something, and rather than saying, oh, let's build our own social network, it's let's get a server set up and install this software. And then we've got our own social network out of the box without having any work to do other than the installing process. So, and so to, I think, you know, to non-tech people like me, you know, a server sounds kind of intimidating, but all that really means is just like a dedicated computer that yeah. just operates and has memory and stuff like that. That's yeah, really so all that means. It, it does still need, you know, you, you need a nerdy guy to set it up. Um, but it, it's a lot less of a, an overhead it's it's a lot easier for someone for a small group of people to say let's set up our own social network rather than saying like you know let's get five people to put in countless hours of work and build something from scratch it's like we're we're taking something that's already been built and so this is kind of a platform that sort of allows you to build your own little segment of the platform yeah the the thing that Mastodon and the, there's some related products as well out there, uh, but the thing that Mastodon has that makes it interesting is this concept of the Fediverse, which is a, a great buzzword. Um, and it comes, it's a portmanteau of federated universe with, so what the idea is, is that my Mastodon instance can talk to other Mastodon instances out there. If you think of it, uh, like the way email works, like there's, there's Gmail and there's Hotmail and there's Levi's little email server that he runs himself. They can all talk to each other because they all use the same standards of communication. Uh, so Mastodon and the Fediverse is kind of like that. If I set up a Mastodon server, I can talk to people on other Mastodon servers using the same, the same technology. So the way Mastodon appears when you're using it is it's, it's very similar to Twitter, same kind of idea. You've got a news feed and you can follow people and they can follow you and you post and whatnot. Uh, so it's very, it's kind of like a ripoff of Twitter if you want to put it that way. Um, but instead of it just being like this closed silo of only people can talk to each other, uh, you end up with, because of the Fediverse, you end up with, I can follow someone from my instance of Mastodon, my little silo, but I can also go and I can follow someone else on a different system. So that way I kind of have my own personal space on the server that I'm running and I have full control over that, but I'm also able to go and follow someone else on a different server. So it helps, it helps prevent a bit of the like, oh, I'm not going to sign up for that social network because no one else I know is on it. It's more of, I can sign up on the one that I like best that fits my thoughts and my uh, beliefs 
and how I believe things should be run best. But I can still go and follow the celebrities that are on this other one. And I can go follow this personality on a different system. So then if, if that's the case, like if we have this uh, Fediverse thing, this federated universe of all of these different kind of social media um, platforms, maybe with different rules. And so, you know, I guess the idea would be that, well, you know, if you, you build your little server and you can decide who that server can talk to. And so it allows you, I think, I mean, I guess it, it seems to allow you some freedom to kind of censor on your own. Like you can hear who you want to hear and who you don't want to hear. But um, I guess, the, so to me, it just seems like the next step is, well, all they have to do is just convince people that it's better and try to get them all to move in kind of big chunks. Like, obviously, you know, if, if enough of my friends, you know, I don't know, I have like 300 people on my Facebook and I think I follow like 700 accounts on Twitter. I mean, if I could just get a chunk of those people to move to, you know, maybe my own server or whatever, um, then, or, or, or get them to move to their own servers and then we could talk to each other. I feel like that would be, um, enough to make it, to make it work in terms of being a rival uh, to Twitter and Facebook. But so are there other types of features in some of these platforms that are, are actually better in terms of like usage? Because I know um, I had a Gab account for a while uh, just because it was new and I wanted to check it out. It was one of the first, I guess, alternative uh, social media sites that I ever heard of. And it was really interesting because I, I think they had this whole idea where you could like, you could censor certain words from your timeline. And then I, I feel like maybe a few months later, then Twitter all of a sudden picked up that same functionality. Like they copied it from Gab um, and Gab, you know, they, they have longer posts and you can edit them. And that's something people constantly complain about on Twitter is, is, you know, the length of the post and, and whether or not you can edit. And so Gab is almost like a, a combination of Reddit and Twitter to an extent. Um, but it does have those interesting kind of filtering mechanisms and stuff like that. Um, so it, do you, do you see, you know, some of these different kinds of features and some of these other platforms that you've, that you've used? Yeah. Um, the thing with Mastodon is um, like, it's out of the box. It, it can do a lot. It has longer posts than Twitter for one. I think it's 500 characters in length or something like that. Um, it doesn't have the ability to edit posts but it has a nice little way to delete and repost the same thing with, with edits. So kind of, kind of the same as editing, but a little bit different. Um, but the thing about systems built to work with the Fediverse is if you really wanted to, and you had the expertise, you could build your own client, so to speak, that connects to the Fediverse. So what, what Gab actually did recently about, about a month ago, I think, or two, uh, they, relaunched their whole system so that it's connected to the Fediverse. So now I can log in to my account on, on the Mastodon server that I use and I can go and follow people who are posting on Gab and they can follow me. Um, so now Gab has become part of this interconnected network of social networks. But then which, but they haven't lost any of their control over their own stuff. Like they haven't right. lost any control over how the, the, the gab um, policies or anything like that work. Yeah. So they've, they've basically just said that other, other systems on the Fediverse can now access the content that's posted on their thing. And so in the, in the whole censorship thing, 
this means that um, there's a lot of um, a lot of I guess you could say left-leaning servers, Mastodon servers out there that have said, let's block everything posted from Gab uh, because they disagree with it. But so, and, that, I mean, all that does is just make it so that, I mean, I mean, it's just sort of like, who cares? Like, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the thing about it is I could, you know, I could start up a, an instance and I could say, this is only for people who identify with like a very specific mindset. And then I could decide to block instances that I know disagree with that and they could block me back, but it's not affecting, it's not affecting the experience for other people. Yeah. It's not like Jack Dorsey of Twitter, just deciding that you're a bad person and no one. Yeah. Like on, on Twitter, they could say, you know, we no longer allow posts from, uh, like, let's, let's come up with a demographic. We no longer allow posts from white males and then boom, everyone's affected by that. Whereas on the Fediverse, one instance could say we no longer allow posts from white males and all the other instances that don't care about that particular one aren't affected. They don't, there's no, there's no being forced to follow a specific set of, of beliefs or opinions or anything like that. Okay. Well, so I, I think, I think all that's interesting and I think it, it's, it's, it's especially interesting to see that, you know, the, the innovation is really actually happening with these smaller platforms. Like I know, um, minds, uh, M I N D S, uh, is really interesting because it's, it's a bunch of, you know, seemingly sort of left wing guys from California that basically have built a free speech platform. And, and it's sort of like Gab in the sense that, you know, they have their own, um, like Bitcoin kind of thing. Mm, yeah. uh, they, they seem to be very full service. Like they have, they sort of have like group functions, kind of like Facebook, but definitely the main feed is more like Twitter or something. And then they also have a video platform. I mean, they're kind of, it seems like they're trying to kind of be uh, the sort of a one-stop shop. And of course, I mean, you know, they're probably having trouble getting to the scale that these other platforms, I mean, that's just going to be the way it is, but it just seems, it's really interesting to me how much innovation there is. And from an economic standpoint, I mean, a lot of times when, you have an industry that has a handful of really big firms and then a bunch of smaller firms. You tend to see innovation from these, these startup -y kind of things because people are trying to get bought out. But in this case, it, it's really not that. I mean, it's not, it, it, these, these startups have nothing but contempt for the big companies. <laughs> they would, you know, the Minds guys, I feel like they wouldn't sell out to Twitter for, you know, all of King Midas's gold. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic from an economic standpoint, but it, it's, I think it's good to see that. But I think, I think one of the big objections you would get from, again, people kind of on our side is that, you know, this is just sort of a fool's errand. Like, you know, maybe it's fun for the innovation aspect of it or whatever, but you're never going to, um, you know, you're never really going to compete with Facebook and Twitter until they just happen to fall apart. And so that, you know, maybe, um, you know, it's, it's good to be building these alternatives in concert with, uh, you know, policy action directed at, you know, um, you know, ensuring fairness or whatever, but there's no, they're not alternatives. Like, we still have to fight the battle against Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that from the censorship perspective. What do you think about that? I think, I think to, to say that it's not, you know, like a viable contender is especially with the idea of the distributed social networks using the Fediverse is 
it's almost it's almost not giving them enough credit like yeah one instance of mastodon with you know 100 people on it is not going to compete with facebook but the whole of the fediverse and all the different accounts using it and the different uses that it's being developed to use that's kind of a, it's kind of a different ball game it's not it's not one group of people competing with with one social network which is twitter or facebook or whatever you want to compete with it's it's more of a, like a different mindset to how social media should be done that it kind of it makes things more it's more open that you could say well i'm going to sign up for this and not not be part of what is facebook because it's facebook is such a waste of time and you kind of you get such a different experience that i think more and more people are wanting to get away from kind of the distraction of the endless news feed that is facebook and instagram and also just having the the smaller the smaller communities is a way to like you feel a lot more connected when you're on a server that has 162 people for example than you know just shouting into the void on twitter and hoping that the right people see what you have to say so that that seems like an interesting way to talk about it because it, it seems like that is kind of like a it's almost like a return to the original idea of these types of things where you know like facebook i mean I mean, it kind of reminds me that, you know, the, the main restriction was you had to have a .edu email oh, yeah. only for college students, you know, and it's like, I mean, okay, yeah, that's still a very large group of people, but, but, you know, if these things are supposed to be, you know, communities, and I know, like, for instance, on, on Facebook, there's, uh, you know, I mean, there's groups for everything, you know, these like, and pages and stuff like that. I, they're mostly groups, I think, because they, yeah. you, you you know, you, um, you, you force people to answer a few questions before you let them in and stuff and you have moderators and, um, you know, and I, I found one for, I, I just bought a, I bought an old truck and I'm trying to kind of restore it while I drive it. But, um, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole community of like thousands of guys who are into these same trucks. And so it's, it's just so much fun to, you know, to have these people to talk to and, and get advice from. And, um, but it seems like, you know, that was the original meaning and, now that there's just this veneer of the, the political crap just gets in the way. Yeah. And, and so this is, so that's kind of been my experience with, with uh, groups on Facebook. What do you have? Uh, do you think that that's an effective way to kind of get out of the whole, uh, you know, censorship issue? Yeah. The, the groups on Facebook, I think is that's where kind of, I don't want to, you know, make a huge prediction, but I feel like that's where the future is, is more of, smaller niches it's not it's not shouting to the void and it's kind of the same as on reddit like you're you're participating in a group for a specific purpose uh with the fediverse it's kind of the same like i could sign up for a mastodon instance that's specifically for a certain type of people like for example one that's made for catholics and along with my feed of the people that i follow i can also click on what's called the local feed and that's everyone in that instance of Mastodon. So kind of like looking at all the posts in a Facebook group. And I think that's, that's something that's really interesting to look at for the future is we're not, we're not just looking at the people that we follow and we're not just talking to the people we follow. We're also talking to a local group that's 
that's uh, you know related in some way or another. Like the one instance of Mastodon that I'm on is all people connected to a specific podcast. And there's 4,000 people there, but everyone has a bit of the same mentality in what they talk about and the way they talk about it. So I can go and I can look at the local feed and I'm seeing related posts from people I have never met, but I know that they, I know that there's a level of, of familiarity with them. If I respond to them, they're seeing that, you know, it's another fan of this particular podcast that is responding to them and has somewhat of a same mindset when it comes to the topics we're discussing. So I think, you know, that's something that people go to for this kind of thing. And, and, and so the, the, the last thing I think to, to kind of wrap up on this is, um, you know, when people talk about, you know, building the alternative and stuff like that, I think they assume that, you know, these companies are sort of just like your standard, you know, normal economic profit maximizers. And, and, and the problem is, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while is that, you know, the reality is that they're not profit maximizers and most companies aren't. I mean, there's, there was a recent study that came out saying that, you know, a lot of these big companies that, you know, span the entire U S they keep their prices consistent all over the country just for the PR effect of it. You know, like you wouldn't want to have, you know, lower prices in Mississippi and higher prices in San Francisco for, you know, Walmart or whatever. And so, you know, obviously they're missing out on profit there because they could use price discrimination, you know, and, and, and make more money. So they're obviously not like literally profit maximizing to completely the nth degree like they could be. Right. So what's interesting, I think, is that, you know, these platforms, especially like YouTube and Twitter and stuff like that, they can censor political content with impunity because most of their revenue, and again, this is especially on Twitter, it's like most of their revenue comes from, you know, Minecraft videos and, <laughs> you know, kid toy unboxing videos and stuff like that. They, I mean, the, their, their video, their revenue comes from that stuff. It does not come from, you know, some, you know, YouTuber in the middle of nowhere. And then if, you know, if 15 people on Twitter shriek that they're racists or whatever, then they just, they just, it's like, well, this is just annoying. I'm just going to shut the channels off. Yeah. If, if YouTube, YouTube knows that like the bulk of their advertisers don't want to be seen on videos about specific topics. So rather than allow those videos to run ads and make the advertisers mad, they just say you can't monetize that video. And you know, it's, you're, you're beholden to the advertisers desires and not your content creators desires. Yeah, that's, and it seems like these, these other alternatives, you know, if we can, if we can, um, you know, if we can get the Gen X to understand how a server might work, uh, then maybe we could get them to, to swap over. So do you have any final thoughts on any of this social media stuff? Like what, what do you think, you know, we should do, um, with social media, how, how, what's the best way for like your normal non-techie kind of person to try to push back on this stuff and, and help the creation of these alternatives? Yeah, for the, for the normal non-techie person, um, I would say find a Mastodon instance that, that uh, fits with the way you think and what you like. Um, and I will provide you with a link you could put in the description of a good place to go to find one. Um, Great, yeah, I'll do that. But that's, that's the kind of thing, like, the thing with Mastodon is there's already a lot of instances out there. And so the barrier to entry for an average Joe who doesn't know someone who can set up a server 
uh, the barrier to entry is already very low. Right. We don't, we don't have to set up a new server now. We can just go find one right. that, that we can, I guess, some membership kind of thing to try to get into it, but uh, it wouldn't be too hard, but there would be some, yeah. some way to get into it. There's, there's a lot of, you know, kind of general purpose ones where they say anyone can go as long as you don't say hate speech. And then there's ones that say like, you have to be a specific religion or you have to be, uh, you have to get an invite from a member who's already on the system. So there's, there's kind of different barriers to entry, but to say like sign up for Mastodon and get involved, anyone can do it. And it doesn't require, you know, nerd tech skills or anything like that. And once you start using it, you'll realize there's, there's benefits because you're not inundated with advertisements and you're not inundated with commercial content that you don't actually want to see. Right. Okay. Well, I, I think that was informative. Um, and especially for somebody like me, I mean, I have several friends, including you, obviously, who are uh, more tech savvy. Uh, I guess one of my friends set up a Minecraft server recently. So, <laughs> so I know people who do this stuff, but um, I, I think it's really good to, to kind of get a view of, um, you know, how this stuff works and maybe throw in a little bit of the economics about, you know, why we're not seeing alternatives and, and all this stuff. So, uh, so thanks for joining me, Levi B. And, and uh, oh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.